Welcome to the Run Run Live 4.0 podcast, where we plumb the daily adventure of endurance sports. Let us seize this precious moment together and squeeze the life from it like a golden lemon sent to us fresh today from the emissaries of the gods. Terribly happy guy Then he ate a moldy pumpkin pie Then he thought that he just couldn't die So Ned, he laughed so hard and made him Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 5484 of the Run Run Live podcast, and I'm calling it 5484. That's as good a number as any, and at this point, we are beyond the specificity of rational numbers, and some would say rationality in general. Today, I'm going to tell you a story about a tree. I'll give you the update on my current entropy challenge because it's always something, isn't it? And I'll have an idea. I have this idea. I've been reading the internet too much because I I want to start a segment called Stupid Running Questions, but I'll stay away from that. And maybe I'll talk about mortality, because I find mortality crowding into my life these days like a big, not unfriendly bear of a monster, just smiling sheepishly and bumping me every now and then, like when I try to be in the kitchen at the same time as my wife, we just bump into each other, and we get in the way. And that's mortality. Here I am trying to make a quick salad and go about my day, and then there's mortality going bump, 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 reaching over my shoulder for the mustard. Could be worse. Could be morality getting in the way. That would be worse. So, my friends, I hope you enjoyed the festive season and all the Saturnalia celebrations. And did you know that during the height of the Roman Empire, the the god Saturn was depicted holding a scythe? And how do I know this? I mean, I'm old, but I'm not that old. We know this because we have a couple of Roman towns from that exact time period that are well-preserved at Pompeii and Herculaneum. And these are those rare occasions where archaeologists can date things exactly. And the god Saturn holds a scythe. And that is a tool with a hooked blade on the end for harvesting crops. And much to my disappointment, this depiction of the god Saturn with a scythe has nothing to do with the Grim Reaper. Nope, they just saw it that Saturn had something to do with our agriculture. And you might be troubled to ask why they celebrated agriculture and the agriculture god in December. Shouldn't that be the harvest celebration in the autumn? Well, yeah, but if you were a farmer, 
2,000 years ago, you would harvest the summer crops and then sow the seeds for the spring crops. And the whole process would wrap up by the winter solstice, which is now, and that's Saturnalia. The classic Grim Reaper, on the other hand, with his death's head and cowl holding a scythe, was conjured up in medieval times, specifically during the Black Death, where the plague harvested men, women, and children like so many stalks of ripe wheat. And don't get me started on the difference between a scythe and a sickle, or we will have to fight. What does any of this have to do with running? Nothing at all. But what fun is life if you can't scribble outside the paint by numbers every now and then? So my training is going well, let's, and let's, let's not forget about that bad knee. Remember that bad knee? I had a bad knee that kept me from running for two to three years. Yeah, that doesn't hurt anymore. And I'm prompted to say something about this because I find myself easily moving on. It's too easy. Like it was a mosquito bite or a sour-tasting burp, not the devastating injury that it was. And every time I run into one of these physical roadblocks, these setbacks even the ones that seem irreversible and unconquerable. I get through them, and then it's like, hey, it never happened. So the lesson, I guess, would be that humans, at least this human, are wired to forget. We live in the future, and sometimes in the past. But, you know, most of us are kind of shitty at living in the present. <laughs> but it is weird. I ran into an acquaintance, an old neighbor, who I hadn't seen for a while, and he asked, did I see you running again? Last time we talked, you had a bad knee. What happened? And I really had to think about it. I had to think about a useful response. But the answer that I gave him was, well, it got better. So there you have it. It got better. Let's hope it, let's hope it, uh, it stays better. And of course, there were consequences to that injury. I'm still drawing the line at three runs, running three times a week. I suppose I've transformed into a new athlete, like being gestated in the injury cocoon for two to three years, and then emerging, not as a butterfly, but more of a disheveled, dog-eared moth. And of course, the universe has no sense of propriety and won't give me a break, and we'll talk about my current, uh, challenge in the outro, but first we need to tell a story, a story about a tree. It is when we learn to leave our comfort zone that we find ourselves communing with our inner strength. Somewhere in all the hours of schooling that I have amassed were courses in physics. I even got a degree in engineering that required a little bit of physics. I like physics. I didn't like the math so much, but I like the theory of physics. It's quite comforting to think that everything in the physical world can be described, can be calculated, can be solved by a set of basic universal rules. I mean, perhaps you've heard of one of these rules, like E equals MC squared, right? Energy is universally equal to the mass times the speed of light squared. How about F equals MA, force equals the mass times the acceleration? And this is how you figure out how hard an object will hit something. There's a variation of that, torque, which is a type of force, and that equals the force times the radius. But now I'm losing you. 
Torque is how a hammer works or a pitcher throwing a fastball. You multiply the mass of that hammerhead, the force there, by the length of the handle, and that's how you get the bam or the crunch. Simplified, a long handle with a big weight on the end creates a lot of force at the point of impact. For instance, a mature eastern white pine tree that in Latin is penis blancus, which literally means white pine. So really, guys, points for creativity. Anyhow, a mature white pine tree up here in New England is 100 feet tall and will weigh 4,000 to 6,000 pounds. And all that weight is up in the top where the pine needles are. So my friends, what I'm trying to explain is that the white pine trees that surround my house are essentially giant evil hammers. The Monday before Christmas, we got a big storm, rolled up the East Coast, came out of the Gulf of Mexico, ripped across the country like an angry, ill-mannered tourist. It caused a lot of trouble with tornadoes and such as it tore through the South, and then it ran up the coast over us. And it was weird for a December storm. It was warm and blustery high winds and torrential rains, more like a September hurricane than a December storm. We used to get snow, but, you know, the climate, it is a-changing. I was sitting at my desk in my spare bedroom doing something entirely self-involved and unproductive, as is my habit. We call it work. With the wind gusting and the rain driving against the windows, and there was a big boom, and the house shook like a ship grounding itself on a reef. And needless to say, I was startled. I went to see what happened. Sure enough, big pine tree had fallen against the other side of the house. So I called my wife, who had gone to work, and told her she should probably come home. Startling as this was, I didn't think there was much damage. The tree seemed to have glanced off the peak of the house and slid off onto the deck. Half of this big pine tree split off at a crotch about 20 feet up, the trunk, and that half swung down with the weight of the rain and the force of the wind from that pivot point to crash just at the flat peak on the side of the house. The storm was still raging. I couldn't see what was on top of the roof. I peeked in the attic, and I didn't see anything obvious. There were no windows broken. Everything seemed okay. I went back to work. I had some deals I was working on for the end of the year. My wife turned around, made her way home. A few minutes later, I was on a call, and there was a second big boom, and the other half of the tree fell on the deck. Now, I was not going crazy or losing my mind. These things happen. This is one of the joys of home ownership. Stuff breaks, stuff rots, stuff falls. You call the insurance company, you do the dance, stuff gets fixed. And I still had internet, I still had power, so hey... There was really nothing for me to do. Let the professionals handle it. And everything seemed fine enough until a bit later when Yvonne and I were standing in the kitchen and she asked, do you hear water running? And I did hear water running and it wasn't the ice maker. Water was running down the ceiling of the kitchen. Water was dripping out of the light fixtures. Uh-oh. So I scampered back up into the attic to take a closer look the tree had bashed a hole in the dormer on the side of the house, which was now acting as a giant funnel for the rain, sloshing down into the attic, filling the ceilings, flowing down the walls, and I could no longer ignore the peril. 
superhero, homeowner, dad brain, engaged. I need to get a tarp on it, I said, with immense seriousness. Experts will tell you that a 61-year-old man should not climb up on a second-story roof in a raging storm, but when superhero homeowner dad brain kicks in, all logic is cast aside. I donned my cape, I mean my durable water-resistant jacket, and strode in a manly fashion, chest high, jaw grimly set, as it were, into the breach. I don't own a ladder that will reach the second story of my roof. Well, technically I do, but it's an antique aluminum beast that weighs several hundred pounds, and the flippy things on the side that, in theory, allow you to extend it are broken. The flippy things are called rung locks. I do have a shorter ladder. Its flippy things are also broken, but I can lift it when it's extended. And with that ladder, I can get onto the first story porch roof. And then, hold my beer, I can pull the ladder up behind me, balance the ladder on the peak of the porch roof, and scramble onto the top second story roof. To make sure you have the correct picture, these are not flat roofs. These are pitched roofs with asphalt shingles, and the pitch is, I don't know, 30, 33 degrees. You can walk on them, but it's dicey on a good day. All of this, I'm sure, sounds incredibly stupid and dangerous, which it is. But that is the superhero, homeowner, dad brain, at work. These were not normal circumstances. This is war. Desperate times. In addition to the ridiculous, rickety ladder deployment, I had to somehow carry a tarp and a stable gun in the pouring rain and wind. Duty, give it your all for home and hearth. And hope the emergency room isn't too busy. I crammed the stable gun into a pocket and stuffed the tarp under my jacket like an overripe cannoli. And I extended the ladder, leaned it against the porch roof, and climbed away. Yo-ho, once safe on the porch roof, I pulled up the ladder behind me. I balanced it on the peak of the porch roof and scrambled up onto the second-story roof. A second-story roof is really not that high. It's around 25 feet, or you should say a 25-foot fall. It probably would only maim you, depending on where your F equals MA came to rest, but it certainly feels higher when you're up there looking over the edge. So I began carefully crabbing around, trying not to slide off the slick roof, and trying to clear as much of the tree off as I could so I could somehow get the tarp, which was still stuffed under my jacket, over the hole. There were broken branches all over it. One large branch had cleaved through the roof and was in the attic. I was kicking and pushing them off best I could while hanging on and trying not to violate the forces of friction. That, once violated, would shoot me off the slope of the roof into a not-so-comical freefall-like wild E. Coyote. As I was clearing the branches and trying not to die from my own mass times acceleration, one of the branches I shoved off slid along the roof and toppled my ladder. This is one of those freeze-frame moments where you wish you hadn't done something, but it's too late. Now I was trapped on the roof of the house in a raging storm. Now my wife, who was watching me this whole time, no doubt calculating life insurance benefits, (laughs) but as stupid as it was for me to scramble up 
the two roofs with the wrong ladder. There's no way she was going to do it. So what to do? She asked if she should call the fire department. No, that would be adding a layer of ridiculousness on top of the current absurdity, and it would clearly break the man code as well. So instead, I pulled out my mobile phone and called one of my running buddies. He's a contractor and lives in the next town, has a nice collection of ladders. So I asked, hey, can you come over with one of your ladders and, you know, rescue me from my roof? And lucky for me, he was willing and capable. While I was waiting, I finished clearing the brush, managed to get the tarp over the hole, spread it out, use all the stables to secure it. And the roofers who came the next day to inspect it told me I did a good job. Then all that was left was to sit in the pouring rain and wind on the top of my house and wait for my buddy to show up. I told my wife she could go inside. No use in her standing in the rain looking up at me. It was a peaceful absurdity, sitting there watching the storm from the roof like some ancient mariner in the crow's nest of his ship plying through the tossing green waves. The rain soaked all the way through me. I was covered with pitch and needles, but I was sanguine. The crisis had called, and I had responded. I had thrown myself into the teeth of the gale. Mildly heroic or just stupid? I don't know. I think when you get away with it, maybe it's mildly heroic. After a while, my buddy showed up with his contractor's ladders in working order, and I was able to scramble down. No one died except the tree, and I think that was suicide. In the end, the accounting will be significant. The tree bashed into the side of the house and pushed the wall in. The joists of the roof were dislocated. And, of course, there's a hole. So the old house will need some work. The positive bit is that it brought a bit of adventure into our lives over the holidays. Gave us a good story to tell. We were forced to throw away a few truckloads of stuff from the attic. So we got some early spring cleaning in. But, my friends, that is what insurance is for. It's only stuff. We have too much stuff anyhow. No one died. We got a new project to keep us busy and distracted in our old age. Okay, now we're going to move you towards the exit, please. So thank you, my friends, for listening to my tree story. I really appreciate the cool emails I get from people telling me how they are long-time listeners and glad to hear my voice gracing the interwebs again. Did you know that they teach podcasting courses in college now. It's an actual thing. The industry as a whole, and it feels a bit ridiculous referring to podcasting as an industry, doesn't it? But that aside, the industry as a whole took a hit in 2023 as advertisers pulled back from podcasts and the high-profile podcasting startups fueled by the irrational exuberance that is venture capital, got caught up in the current venture capital winter. Because, you know, when the market tightens up, those pesky investors start expecting silly things like revenue and profit. But none of that matters to we independent producers, we independent podcasters who never had any expectation of payment. Those of us who write and produce because it is what we do, like a shark swims or a scorpion stings. So let me take you out 
with my new health challenge. So if you remember from last time, I had gone to my annual physical and my cholesterol was high. And this was two checkups in a row that my cholesterol was high. So the doctor decided to send me for a calcium cardio scan, which is a thing they do, like a CAT scan that checks to see if you have calcium buildup in your heart arteries. And this is the old plaque, right? This is the end game of the high cholesterol, the old blocked arteries story. So if your arteries get blocked up, it is bad, right? It restricts your blood flow and your body doesn't like that and uh, can lead to coronary artery disease and heart attacks and all that stuff. So long story short, I do have a little bit of calcium buildup. It's minor. Uh, The range goes up to 1,000. I'm at a 71. So that's, you know, minor risk, but they still want to treat it. Um, My doctor knows my lifestyle. So I said, hey, you know, I'm training for marathons and stuff. Do I have some sort of risk? What am I supposed to do with this information? And he said, well, you know, just keep your keep your heart rate down. So I was kind of just blindsided by all this news because I've had a fairly healthy lifestyle for the most part. My diet's healthier than most. So, you know, hey, how does this sort of thing happen? Well, turns out it's genetic. But that didn't stop me from moping around for a week, thinking about it, feeling sorry for myself, because I was just starting to feel strong again, just got back on my feet. But I shook myself out of the slump, and now this is going to be one of my 2024 projects. Let's see if we can do something about it. And honestly, I had fallen off the wagon a little bit while I was injured, let the weight creep up, uh, too much beer, you know starting to eat crappy again. So we'll we'll talk more about this in the future, but I've already started um, the cure, as it were. I'm down five or six pounds, and I've gone nearly 100% vegan, and it should I should be able to get down another 15, 20 pounds in the next couple of months. Let's see what that does to the blood work, see if I can avoid the meds. And I have started training again, I'm going to keep it in the base building mode for this cycle and not not you know, do any hard speed work or tempo or anything that's going to uh, potentially cause my heart to, to roll over. And you know what? I feel great. <laughs> we had held the 10th anniversary of the Groton Marathon on New Year's Eve day this morning. And I don't let anybody run a marathon anymore. We keep it half and shorter. People run different distances and the whole club comes. And this year we had staggered starts, which turned out to be a great thing because it meant that when the three of us old timers who were running the half finally finished, there were like 30 people cheering us in. So here we are, you know, about a week into clean eating or better eating and and uh, no beer. And I feel great. Go figure. What a revelation, huh? You mean if I fuel my body well and I run lighter? and I'm not slightly hungover, it makes for better running. Jeez, who would have thought? It's a Christmas miracle. (laughs) It's going to be a busy year. It's going to be filled, hopefully, with clear-eyed mornings, good books, dog hugs, and friends. And I am up for the challenge. Are you? If so, I'll see you out there. And then he thought that he just couldn't die so ned he laughed so hard it made him cry
Right.